0: Habitual thought pattern that leads a person to perceive reality in an inaccurate and usually negative way. You can definitely have cognitive distortions that are biased towards the positive, but in general, as humans, we are biased towards the negative, and that's what leads to this suffering that we create with our thoughts. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 186. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Welcome back, veggie lovers, to another episode of Veggie Doctor Radio. How is it almost the middle of December already? (laughs) I cannot believe it. I can't believe there's just a little over two weeks left of 2021. How are you feeling about 2022? Are you excited, hopeful, anxious, demoralized, holding your breath? I'm feeling all of that and more. I don't know what to expect. I'm hearing some experts say that the pandemic may come to a close soon. Thankfully, Lots of people now are eligible to get the vaccine if that's something that you choose to do. My family is fully vaccinated. My oldest is going to get his booster today. And yeah, we are going to proceed. Regardless, time is going to continue to pass. And today... I'm going to talk to you about all or nothing thinking because it is something that I need for myself right now. So a lot of times these episodes help me too. It's something that I'm experiencing in my life and I need to reevaluate for myself. I think that this episode is going to be helpful for a lot of people because this is something that affects a lot of us, probably most of us actually at some point or another. And those of us in the health space in The fitness space in the personal development space probably suffer from this a lot. But before I get to all or nothing thinking and cognitive distortions, how are you doing eating your winter squash? I hope that episode 185 inspired you to eat more winter squash. If you're not, I'm sad. So please, if you bought one of those beautiful, cute little delicata squashes, don't waste it. Think of Dr. Yami and how she would love to eat it, okay? So delve into it. Remember, there's so many. Pumpkin, butternut, spaghetti, delicata. Dive in, explore, have fun. Also, something exciting coming up this week on Thursday, December the 16th, I am going to be giving a talk on the Wisdom app. Wisdom, like you're wise, W-I-S-D-O-M. Find the app, download it, and join me on Thursday, December the 16th, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern time. My username is at the Dr. Yami, just like my Instagram and my Facebook and my clubhouse username at the Dr. Yami, all spelled out T-H-E-D-O-C-T-O-R-Y-A-M-I. So on Thursday, December the 16th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern time, I'm going to be giving a talk on the Wisdom app about sustainable habits in the new year. And it's going to go along with today's episode because today we're going to be talking about cognitive distortions and all or nothing thinking. And one of the ways to combat or to avoid this all or nothing thinking is to develop sustainable habits. So I'm so excited to be trying out this new app. It is an audio-only platform. It's the newest thing, these audio-only apps. They're really fun. And at the end of my talk, I would be happy to entertain questions and chat with you all and get to know you. So please don't leave me by my lonesome up on the stage. I hope that you will join me. Again, that's on the Wisdom app. So you have to download the app. My username is at the Dr. Yami, all spelled out. And the talk is Thursday, December the 16th, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern time. We will link the app and my user profile. Please join me. If you can't join me live, it will be recorded. This app, you can record the sessions and share them later. So I will be sharing that recording after it's completed but I hope that you will join me and we can get to know each other and talk about sustainable habits in the new year. Okay. So let's talk about all or nothing thinking all or nothing. Thinking is just one of many cognitive distortions. Have you heard this term cognitive distortion? It's a fancy term for a lot of things I'm going to talk to you about that you are going to probably recognize right away. So what is a cognitive distortion? A cognitive distortion is a habitual thought pattern that leads a person to perceive reality in an inaccurate and usually negative way. You can definitely have cognitive distortions that are biased towards the positive, but in general, as humans, we are biased towards the negative and that's what leads to this suffering that we create with our thoughts. Okay. So it's a thought habit and we, When we have these thought habits, we see things in a way that's not realistic and it leads to some pain and negativity. Okay. However, they probably have evolved and developed in us because they were useful at some point and they are a coping mechanism. So they can be useful in life. It's just that when it becomes a habit and our go-to over and over and over again, that it can become a problem. In fact, there's a theory that humans are really good at focusing and remembering bad things or negative things because it allows us to avoid those things in the future and increases our survival. So a common example given is we're going to remember the bush that had the poisonous berries that gave us vomiting and diarrhea, we're not going to be going to that bush and eating those berries again because we could die next time, okay? Or we know where not to go in the forest where there's usually a predator. So it's good to remember bad things because then we can avoid those bad things. But it's when it becomes a habit that we just automatically assume that something is going to be bad or go there over and over, that it can become a problem. Now, cognitive distortions happen to everybody, every single person, but it's more common in people experiencing mood disorders such as anxiety and depression. And you can ask, is it's a chicken or an egg? Did the cognitive distortions lead to the anxiety or depression, or are people that are more anxious and depressed more likely to have cognitive Distortions, but I also think that it can be part of a personality type. And I just say this based upon observations of myself, my children, one of which is genetically related, has 50%, shares 50% of my genes, and one of which is not. And also, having met my biological father, who did not raise me, had no hand in raising me. I hadn't even met him in my life until I was in college. I do think there is a genetic component to. Thinking a certain way, which I don't know how to explain how that happens, but I'm pretty sure it does. Also, culturally, we may be predisposed and learn to think in certain ways. Like here in the United States, I think we're just really big on that go big or go home. We love those stories, those success stories about people who just like the pure grit, you know, they just work so hard and they got to this you know, really successful place. And we just love those stories. It's part of the culture. Certain cultures have more of that than others as well. So there's all kinds of reasons why we develop these cognitive distortions. I'll just say in my own experience, I have experienced all of the cognitive distortions and In my younger part of my life, in the earlier part of my life, I suffered a lot from these cognitive distortions, but they still come up frequently. Even though now I'm aware of them, I know what they are. I know how to be skeptical of them and not believe every single thing that I think, but sometimes they still get me. It comes up in my health pursuits. It comes up in my work and my career. And currently, the reason why this is something I need to revisit and think about right now is because I'm going through a tough time with my practice. It feels really hard. There's a lot of things I don't like about being a solopreneur. A lot of things I do like, but there are some things that just are really painful right now. And I will go to extremes in my thinking. It's either all, like I do this all by myself and with pure grit, work really hard and see as many patients as possible, or I'm shutting down the practice and not doing it at all. Obviously that's extreme. That's black and white thinking, and it can blind me to alternative solutions, right? It doesn't allow me to see that there's more than just go big or go home or don't do it at all. You know, Well, I guess go bigger, go big or go home. So (laughs) go big or don't do it at all. You know, there are alternative solutions. And I'll tell you some tips I have at the end. I'm going to give you seven tips for if you struggle with all or nothing thinking what you can do to approach it and help yourself not get stuck in that pattern of thinking. But before that, I wanna talk to you about the different types of cognitive distortions. And there's lots of different types of cognitive distortions. I'm just gonna go over 10, and the last one will be that all or nothing thinking, and I'll go a little bit more in depth with that one. But let's start with overgeneralization. So overgeneralization occurs When something negative has happened, so something happened to you, and then you begin to apply that negative feeling or situation to everything else. Now, it might just be a single event or a series of coincidences that leads you to this conclusion. So, for example, say you had a bad day, you woke up in the morning, the coffee pot wasn't working, you go outside your tires flat, you get to work and somebody yells at you, okay? So let's say there's three things. Obviously, they're not related to each other. I mean, you could start related to each other. You could believe they are, but they're not related to each other. But then at the end of the day, you're like, I just have the worst luck ever. Only bad things happen to me. I'm a failure. I'm no good. I'm a screw up. I can never get it right. So whenever you start using those words like never, always that is overgeneralization that means that you are taking everything and putting it into the same bag of negativity even if they aren't necessarily related okay and anytime you start to use those words that you hear yourself thinking or saying those words always never question it is it true often it's not often we are overgeneralizing and now for a very important message Hey veggie lover, if you are looking for free resources to guide you on your plant-based and healthy living journey, go to dryami.com forward slash free for tons of free downloadable PDFs. Hundreds of people have taken advantage of my tips to help them reduce meat and dairy consumption, navigate eating out and build satisfying plant-based meals. Download one or download them all. And don't forget to share with friends and family. DrYami.com forward slash free. And now back to the episode. Okay, catastrophizing, also known as magnifying. This is basically believing that if something happens, it will lead to disaster or you have an exaggerated negative outcome. So this is usually when people say you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Like it might be this tiny thing that if it happens, you think it's the end of the world. So if I don't lose 10 pounds by the wedding, my life is over. If I don't learn to eat vegetables, I'm going to die a slow and miserable death. Like basically if this one thing happens, it's over. Like it's a catastrophe. You might as well give up. (laughs) Okay. So that's catastrophizing. Personalization is another cognitive distortion. This is when you might attribute an event as being caused by you. Basically, you are taking things personally that really aren't related or associated with you at all. An example that I thought of is when we feed our kids. So being a mother, I think sometimes can be an area where we are personalizing a lot of things because we feel guilty. We feel at fault for a lot of things that happen to our kids. But say that we are feeding our kids and say that you have an 18-month-old or a two-year-old, and you spend all day making this amazing meal, you put it on the table, and they turn up their noses and they don't eat it. So you might assume that because your children don't eat the food you made, you are a bad mom, or that you are a horrible cook. It really has to do with you. You're doing something wrong, when in fact, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the fact that they're a toddler, one. Two, they may not be hungry, three, they might be going through neophobia. Okay. So be careful and start paying attention when you are starting to take things personally that probably have nothing to do with you. It's causing you pain and suffering, and it may cause you to change your habits and behaviors based upon a false assumption mind reading, another place for assumptions. This is also known as jumping to conclusions or fortune telling. It's basically making assumptions. You create a whole storyline about something and it leads to negative thinking on your part. So an example might be you texted your best friend and said, Hey, do you want to hang out tomorrow? Let's go for a walk. And two hours pass you don't get a response. Half a day passes, you don't get a response. A day passes, you don't get a response. So that mind reading might be, you assume that your friend is mad at you. I mean, this happens a lot, right? I mean, this happens all the time. We start making these negative assumptions that, okay, my my friend is mad. I did something wrong. They don't like me anymore. Uh, or they're just ignoring me when your friend may just be having a tough time, maybe really busy. Maybe they even went camping off the grid. Who knows? So that's mind reading or jumping to conclusions. Okay. Mental filtering. This means that you focus only on negative things Even though good and bad things are happening to you, you only focus on the negative things and you filter out the positive. So you remember only the things that have gone poorly, but ignore the things that have gone well. This is why specifically at the beginning of my coaching sessions, I always ask my clients to give me examples of things that have gone well, things that they want to celebrate, things that they want to give themselves credit for since the last time we met. And A lot of times I have to interrupt them because as soon as we start the session, my clients is like, Oh my God, I had such a horrible week. Okay. Take a deep breath. Stop. Give me at least two or three things that you felt went right. Okay. What went well this week? What are you proud of yourself for this week? Because we do, we want to go straight to the negative and even forget that anything positive happened. So This is a common thing. People generally want to launch straight into what they're disappointed or upset about. It seems like the best thing to talk about, right? But instead, I want you to start looking for and pointing out the good things, start writing them down, journal them, or even share them with other people. Very similarly is a cognitive distortion called discounting the positive. Now in this one, it's not that you're ignoring positive things that have happened you may acknowledge that something good happened, but you explain it away. Okay. So if something good happened, like say you got a promotion, you might say, oh, it was just a fluke or there was nobody else that applied. I was the only one. So there was no other choice, you know, like you aren't giving yourself credit for that achievement or that good event. You're just saying it was an accident. It's not something I can reproduce anyway because it was just this random fluke, and whenever you don't take credit for something that you did, then you don't develop self efficacy you're basically taking away your power to develop a belief and a confidence in yourself you're taking away your self efficacy and whenever you do that, it actually takes away your motivation because you don't believe that you can reproduce those things in the future because you don't think it has anything to do with you. It it was caused by some external event, not by something you did, okay? So that's called discounting the positive. Should statements, we are full of these in our culture, in our society, and amongst all of my listeners, probably you do this all the time. So should statements involve thinking in ways that you should or must do. And it is based on preconceived notions and beliefs. So it traps you into certain unattainable or undesirable standards for yourself. So for example, you should be able to eat a raw vegan diet to be a healthy person. So to be a healthy person, you should eat a raw vegan diet. Like that's the only option. Or you must juice. For health and well being. In order to be healthy and have well being, you must juice. So, whatever you're not doing those things that you have should statements about, it can lead to feelings of guilt or failure if you don't live up to those standards that you're creating for yourself. And guess what? You're doing it to yourself because even if somebody else tells you that you should do something or you must do something, you don't have to adopt that. It's your choice whether you adopt that belief. Okay, the next one. Emotional reasoning. This is whenever you start to identify with your feelings and emotions. So basically, if you have a feeling, if you have an emotion, you are that thing. So you adopt the identity of it and you feel that it must be true. So, for example, if you have feelings of worthlessness, if you feel like you're worthless, then that means you are worthless. You can't just have a feeling and separate it from your identity. Your feeling equals who you are and what you are, okay? Similar to that is labeling in which you are making a judgment about yourself or someone else, and it doesn't leave room for any leeway or behaviors. A good example for this when it comes to eating is when you label yourself or your child a picky eater, Or you say you're a vegetable hater or whatever, you are labeling yourself in a way, or you're labeling your child in a way that doesn't leave room for any other behaviors. Basically, they are that way. So finally, let's talk about all or nothing thinking, also known as polarized thinking, also known as black and white thinking. Now, this is what I want to focus on today. However, a lot of times we are engaging in more than one cognitive distortion at a time. Okay. So it's not this nice and neat. Okay. I'm only, only having all or what, all or nothing thinking you're probably having all or nothing thinking with should statements, mental filtering and overgeneralization. you know? And so that's why I wanted to point out some of the other common cognitive distortions so that you can start to recognize them. I just wanted to focus on all or nothing thinking because I am particularly the queen of all or nothing thinking. And I know that it affects so much of us. I see it in my oldest child. I see it in myself and a lot of people. And so I think that this can help in a lot of ways to start to go through this process. But just being aware in general that you're having these cognitive distortions stops that cycle in that you have to believe these things. You can step back, step to the side, and be aware that you may be having an inaccurate thought. You may be having faulty thoughts that are not serving you. Okay, so what is all or nothing, black and white, or polarized thinking? it involves viewing things in absolute terms. So you're either all this way or all that way. You're either a brilliant success or you're a failure. You're either a very healthy, completely whole food, plant-based perfect eater, or you're the most unhealthy junk food eater You know, failure, okay? (laughs) I was throwing all these words to try to show the polarization. It's extreme, right? It's extreme one way or the other. And it makes progress difficult because you only have two choices, and one of those choices is really hard. And you have to white knuckle it, and you have to grind your teeth, and you're holding on by your fingernails just trying to get there. So, who wants to do that? Who wants to live life like that, where you have to work so hard to achieve this false standard that you've created for yourself? I think that's why that mantra, progress, not perfection, is so popular, because we have to constantly remind ourselves that we engage in all or nothing thinking. Many of us think this way. all or nothing thinking is rigid, it's perfectionistic. A lot of times it doesn't actually feel good and it doesn't lead to the results that we want, but even when we it does lead to the results that we desire, we do it in this very stressful, like I said, white-knuckling sort of way that we're just barely hanging on. So whenever you set that bar really high and you're looking at it and you're like, "Okay, I'm either going to reach that bar and be a success or I'm a failure, guess what happens? You stall, you procrastinate, you don't want to even try because you know it's going to be so hard or you start, you don't make it, you stop and then you may stall again for a long time before you try again. So it leads to this cycle of starting and stopping and procrastinating and starting and stopping and procrastinating. And guess what? You spin your wheels and you get nowhere. Progress, not perfection. Progress, not perfection. I mean, literally I'm saying that to myself. All or nothing thinking has strong ties to anxiety, depression low self-esteem, self-criticism, negative body image, and eating disorders. Do you see how they can be related? Do you see how people, when they engage in disordered eating, or they may progress to a full-blown eating disorder, where they may be very comfortable in that extreme thinking, all or nothing? Let me talk about some things that I I talk to my clients about and I've taught in classes, some examples that are going to seem ridiculous to you. Okay. But this is what happens when we approach life as all or nothing. So say you're driving along and you get a flat tire on your car. You pull over and you see, darn it, I have a flat tire. What do you usually do in that situation? You find a way to change the tire, right? You put your spare on, or you call AAA, or call your your partner to come help you out. You change the tire and you move on. So all or nothing thinking would be: you have a flat tire, and guess what you do? You slash the other three tires, and you're like, "This car sucks. It's done for it. It's the worst car ever." And I'm just giving up. I'm not even gonna try. That is all or nothing thinking. All right. Another example: say that you have a goal to hike up this mountain. Let's, you know, don't say it's Mount Everest or something like that. We'll just say it's a nice, gentle, pleasant mountain. You have this goal. You're halfway through and you trip on a rock and you stumble and maybe you even fall to the ground and you can see, you can see the summit right there. You're almost there. So usually what you might do is like, okay, you get up, you dust yourself off. Maybe you take a break and have a snack and then you proceed, right? All or nothing thinking means, nope, you didn't do it perfectly. You stumbled. So basically we're going to stop. We're going to go back down the mountain and we're not even going to finish. Maybe we'll try again another day, but because we already know that it might be difficult to do it without having a stumble, we may not even try ever again. And we were so close to reaching that summit. That's what all or nothing thinking does. Another example that might seem really ridiculous because this happens all the time and because we don't have control over it, we accept it and we move on. But say that you are on a plane flight and you know there was turbulence or whatever and the pilot has announced that you're going to be a little bit late to your destination. Say you're going to be 20 or 30 minutes late to your destination. Most of the time we're like, all right, well, we're going to do the best we can. Maybe we might miss a connection or we're going to get there late for somebody to pick us up, whatever. All or nothing thinking would say, we're going to be late. It's not going to be perfect. All right, pilot, turn around. Let's take this plane back home. We're not even going to get to our destination. Okay. That is All or nothing thinking. And we do this a lot. We do this in our health goals, our well being goals. We do this in our career goals. We engage in all or nothing thinking. We're either going to do it all, all the way perfectly, or we're not going to do it at all. So when we see things in black and white, and if we don't achieve our predetermined measure of success on a certain rigid timeline, we quit or we stay stagnant progress, not perfection. I want you to say that to yourself, progress, not perfection. And now for a very important message. Hey mama, if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you a parent's guide to intuitive eating how to raise kids who love to eat healthy is available in paperback ebook and audiobook through all major online booksellers did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now, back to the episode. Okay, so I'm going to give you. Seven ways that we can start to overcome our all or nothing thinking. This is for myself as well, because I am with you in this, okay? So the first one, and I think is the most important thing that I've learned in my life, and it's taken many decades to practice this, is compassion. Have compassion for yourself. Treat yourself like you would treat a friend or your own child would you have these high unrealistic expectations of your friend and tell your friend that if they didn't meet them that they're basically a failure and you're never going to talk to them again no but that's how we treat ourselves let's treat ourselves like we were our own best friend how we would treat our own children with compassion with love with empathy have have some patience for yourself and be gentle with yourself and engage in what is called the growth mindset instead of all or nothing and black and white thinking. We're growing together. We're evolving together. And there's more than one way to achieve our goals. Okay. So that first one is have compassion. Number two is to set realistic and sustainable goals. And this is what I'm going to be talking about in the wisdom app on Thursday, December the 16th, 10 AM Pacific, 1 PM Eastern. I'm going to be talking about sustainable habits. So set realistic and sustainable goals. If you set a goal and it's making your stomach turn and it's, you get a pit in your stomach, Already feeling like there's no way I'm gonna be able to sustain it, but it's okay. I'm just gonna grit through it. You know, that's a sign that you are already starting to engage in all or nothing thinking. Now, don't get me wrong, I think it's fun. I think it's completely okay to set these huge, lofty goals. They some people call it the B-hags, big, hairy, audacious goals. And for some people that motivates them, but they're not seeing that goal. As the end all of determining their success in life. They're seeing it as, you know, this carrot that they're moving towards that might help them get to it. Like shoot for the moon and land among the stars, you know, like that. If you can do it that way, great. But if you're listening to this episode and taking notes, it's because when you set those huge, lofty goals, you engage in all or nothing thinking and it doesn't help you make progress, it actually stagnates you. So just evaluate that for yourself and look at setting realistic and sustainable goals. But also the second part of that is give yourself permission to adjust your goals whenever you feel it is necessary. So I got into the habit of doing quarterly goals because I felt that helped break things down. But even in the middle of a quarter, sometimes I would look and be like, well, that was a good intention. And I really wanted to try to do that, but it's not going to happen this quarter. And that's okay. I will try again next quarter, or I will set it a little bit, the bar a little bit lower. And you know, say it's like a fitness thing. I once had that I wanted to get up to 50 pushups a day and I think I made it to 35. And after that, it just got a lot harder. And so I just stayed there. I stayed at the 35 and that's okay. Does it mean that since I didn't get to 50 that I'm an absolute failure in life? No, it's not, you know? Plus my arms look pretty good. I would show them off right now, but I don't think that's appropriate because we are talking about cognitive distortions. Anyway, my point being, that it's okay to readjust your goals too. Okay. Cause I mean, whatever they're like, it's like this arbitrary thing. They're artificial constructs. Anyway, you can adjust your goals anytime you want. It's completely up to you. Okay. Number three, you have to give yourself credit. You have to learn to focus on what you did. Well, you have to learn to Think about and give yourself credit for what you've already accomplished. This is required, okay? It's also why I think having multiple measures of success is really helpful because if you only have one way to determine success, it makes it hard sometimes to see the progress you've made. So say you have an objective measure, like if you want to start walking 2 miles a day so you have a distance measure but then you may also have a measure of how you're feeling or how much energy you have your well-being your joy look for multiple ways to see whether what you're doing is working and give yourself credit when things are going well don't ignore it don't get that cognitive distortion that makes you filter out any good things also look for partial success And I do this with my coaching clients. So whenever we set goals, the next time we meet, the question is like, is not, did you accomplish that goal? It's what percent of the time were you able to accomplish the goal? So then it takes the pressure off of all or nothing. It's not like, did you do it every single day? Or were you able to do it 25% this time? Especially if you started at zero, 25% is progress. Even if it's not a hundred percent, you have to give yourself credit for that. So start looking for partial success as well. Number four, be curious. This is so important and this has helped me a ton. Step away and start evaluating the situation as a curious observer would. What went well? Why? What didn't work? Why? What are you willing to try or do differently next time? Be curious and open-minded like a scientist would in a lab trying different experiments, because just think about that. Scientists have very, you know, they, they have very defined ways. They go through these processes to determine what they're going to change, what variables they're going to change, seeing what worked, what didn't work. They're just a, curious observer, and they're not taking any of this stuff personally. I mean, can you imagine if you took a chemical reaction personally, like, oh my gosh, it's totally my fault that this reagent didn't work or whatever, you know? No. Be like a curious scientist trying an experiment. What worked? What didn't work? Why? What can I tweak? What can I do differently? How can I get help to accomplish this goal? I mean see how different that feels in your body. Number five. Okay. This is literally one of the hardest number five and number six are really hard for me and I'm learning, but number five is look for the intermediate choice, the middle ground or the shades of gray. And you know, what's really kind of ironic about that whole thing is that shades of gray are infinite. So you can cut a pie an infinite amount of times. Whenever you have polarization, there's only two choices. You are limiting yourself to two choices. But when you start looking in between, there's infinite choices. Wow, there's so much available to you now. But when we get stuck in that polarization, we don't see it. Like I said, at the beginning of this episode, I get blind. I get blind to any options. So it's literally cutting off our creativity. It's cutting off our options. So learn to start to look at the gray, force yourself, get your paper out, force yourself to write down alternative solutions. Alternative options. And if you can't think of them, get help because probably somebody else could. So, my husband is really good at this. We are polar opposites. So, speaking of polarization, we are very different in our personalities. I'm the extreme one. I work in extremes really well. I'm comfortable in extremes. And he is very comfortable in the middle ground. He's a very stable, even keeled person. And he can open his mind and think of all the alternative solutions. And it always surprises me. So I sometimes need help. I need to go to him and run something by him and and ask him, help me think, help me think through this. And I, you know, I may not like some of the options or solutions that he offers, but at least now I've been thinking about them and I have accepted and am able to move past just those two extreme options. Okay. The next one is also really difficult and that is allow for paradoxes because guess what? More than one thing can be true at once and they're often, or they can be opposite. It seems like they're not compatible. It seems like they're, they shouldn't be able to exist at the same time. It is so uncomfortable for black and white thinkers. I have had to really breathe through this and really work through these things and tell myself that it's okay in this world for there to be paradoxes. It helps us see the world in a more balanced way because the world is full of paradoxes. Okay. So I love vegetables. I love donuts. It seems like two opposite things that shouldn't go together. But it's okay that they go together. Loving donuts does not take away from the fact that I eat and love vegetables. They can both be in my life. I don't have to be an extreme only vegetable eater or only donut eater. Whenever you start practicing allowing for paradoxes, the key word to use is and. I can enjoy working out really hard and... I can enjoy relaxing on the couch and watching movies, that word, and you allow two things to be true because often they are, we just want to deny them, or we want to force ourselves into this extreme identity because we feel like we must like the should, or the must comes in that cognitive distortion. Okay. And then the final one I think is so important is. Separate your self worth from the outcome. Do not wrap up your identity into your success or failure. This is so important because honestly, it's true. I've gotten a lot of validation. I've derived a lot of my self worth from my accomplishments, my ability to produce, my career, my work, my well being, even my healthfulness. So whenever we start to derive our self-worth, most or all of our self-worth from these things, it can lead us to extremes because we feel like if we don't accomplish this thing, we're not worthy. We've lost all our self-worth. But as I've said in my newsletter, self-worth is not earned. Self-worth is inherent. We are born With self worth. Everybody has self worth. We are all worthy, regardless of what you do or don't do in this life. We have to remind ourselves of that. Sometimes it's really hard to believe, but it is true. So, whenever we start to combine and associate our self worth with reaching these goals, attaining these habits, being a certain way, having a certain identity, it can lead us deeper and deeper into these cognitive distortions. Now I do want to put a plug in for therapy. I have seen a therapist for many years of my life. I go back anytime I need a tune up. I have also learned how to coach myself and learn some things I'm going to tell you about in just a second. But if you feel that you are trapped by these cognitive distortions, if they are stealing joy from your life, if you feel like you cannot dig yourself out of them, seek professional help. There's something called cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, and it is something that was created specifically to address these cognitive distortions. So a good therapist that practices CBT can help you identify and work through these cognitive distortions. And there is no shame in getting therapy. In fact, I almost think that at birth, we should be assigned to a therapist. I think we should all have somebody that can help us through these thoughts that can help us manage these thoughts and feelings and help us learn these tools and skills for a lifetime. So no shame if you have access to it, if it's available to you, I know that it can be difficult to access mental health. And I feel that struggle, believe me, as a primary care doctor, it's really rough. But if you are willing to do it and you feel like you need it, go for it. And now they have all these apps now too, where you can get mental health over zoom and over phone and over chat and all of these things. So there's all kinds of ways. So take tiny steps in the direction that you want to go tune into your body, be present in your body, look for multiple measures of success rather than just one, be gentle with yourself, So if you fall off plan, you can get started again right away without stress or shame instead of getting trapped in that cycle where you stop and you stall and you procrastinate and over and over and over. Engage in patience with yourself, have compassion with yourself, okay? There are some books that can really help, especially with learning how to create sustainable habits, small steps towards the habits you want to accomplish in your life. Atomic Habits by James Clear, Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg. And then to help learn more about that growth mindset is the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. I also have an episode on the thought model. It's episode 61 of Veggie Doctor Radio. It's called Managing Your Thoughts and Feelings. It helps take you through the thought model that was created by Brooke Castillo and helps you learn how to coach yourself. And a lot of times you will be able to see as you write down your thoughts, some of these cognitive distortions and how you can learn to approach those. And then finally, another great resource is Byron Katie. She has lots of books and her process is called The Work. She has lots of free worksheets, ways that you can apply it. But I think it's one of the ultimate ways to address cognitive distortions. It's amazing when you start going through her process, what you will uncover. Okay, veggie lovers, thank you so much for taking this journey with me. I appreciate you being here, listening to this episode. And let me know, email me. Tell me if this episode helped you. And if you like this, a little departure from talking about our plant foods, our beloved plant foods, don't worry. I talk about them most of the time, but I think that whenever we're trying to implement healthy habits, especially as the new year is coming and some of us are starting to feel that new year anxiety or pressure to set these huge goals think about these cognitive distortions and what you really want to do and what sustainable habits you want to set. And I hope, hope, hope that you will join me on Thursday, December the 16th, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the wisdom app. So we can talk about sustainable habits for the new year. Thank you, veggie lovers. I love you all so much. And I hope that you have a very fantastic day.